everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. How's it going, Corey? Oh, you know, it snowed the other day. <laughs> I sent you a snap or something. Yeah, uh, I showed Kathy, because Kathy's going to be visiting Corey in about three weeks, and she was not thrilled to see snow falling on the ground already. Um, um, oh, it. this has been a mild winter, though, let her know, but it was good. like big fat fluffy snowflakes that just like sat on everything it just i mean it's pretty but you know it it drizzled today here um it was like mid 80s i think it was the high for today which holy heck last week we were in the 40s like all week so it kind of sucks oh my god yeah i I wish we were back in the the cooler times but you know it's florida it's 28 degrees i'm okay that's a little too cold uh (laughs) So, if you're new to Movie Club, um, one, this is our last episode for 2018. Not our last episode ever. We'll be back next year for sure. In fact, we're going to, at the end of this episode, we're going to kind of show you what we're going to be doing next year, um, giving a lot more insight, not trying to be as secretive as we've been in the past. We're going to be upfront with our themes for the whole year, and we're also going to talk about uh, all the movies we're going to be watching in January. So, if you're interested in keeping up with what we're watching, you'll have that same opportunity. <coughs> Pardon me. Um... But if you've never listened, Corey and I both have a lot of movies that we wish we've seen or that we've wanted to see, but we always put off for some reason or another. We started this podcast just about two years ago uh, to start knocking some of those movies off our list. So every film we watch has to either be something we've neither, at least one of us hasn't seen, or a movie that we haven't seen in such a long time that we feel like we don't really know if we saw it. Where, you know what I mean? Like, it's maybe we watched it but maybe we were too young to get it or like maybe our we've changed as people since we watched it so maybe we'll like it more now or the other way uh we'll dislike it now when we liked it when we were younger those are kind of the ideas that we do with the podcast um we also like to talk about what we've been watching so why don't we uh first jump into that Corey? what have you been watching since last we spoke guys i got roped back in Ooh. And I've cried a few times. Oh, <laughs> I started watching The Walking Dead again. Damn it! Wow. Um, yeah. Um, but so I feel like we need to talk about this for just a second. Okay. Because when The Walking Dead is good, it's so damn good. But it is not consistent. Like half of the seasons are not good, and then there are some that are just so so good. And I don't know how that happens. Um. But anyways, got roped back into that. So I like between my weekend last weekend and then the two days I had off for Christmas and then just because of the person I am, I, I've made it through a whole season. Mm. It's fine. I don't have a life. And then on Christmas, we went to see Mary Queen of Scots. I also saw this, but I saw it two days before Christmas. What'd I you think? It. You loved it? <laughs> I loved it. I was like so into it the whole time. Ugh. And I know, you know, like I was just pulling for Mary the whole time. I just, I don't know. I, she was a badass. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I liked her. I really loved like the costuming and the makeup. Yeah. Everything. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, the, I, the production design's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. But, um, ah, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it, so. I don't know if I've ever cared less about a plot in a movie <laughs> that was well-made. Because the movie's well-made. It's not like it's it's not 
oh, the writing sucks or anything. It's just, oh my God, is it boring? Like nothing happens like so much and everything that does happen happens in a way that I'm just like, well, that's stupid. And, or I don't care. Like, and uh, to be completely honest, I totally still don't understand the politics at all. Like, I don't know why does she have a claim to the, I don't get it. None of it makes sense to me. And that's why, uh, well, well, it was her birthright. Why though? She's the queen of Scotland. What does that do with the throne of England? I don't get it. And you know, they tried to explain it, but it didn't matter. I, I was not. Uh, I want to say this though, because I usually with like subtitles or like things like that, or when they plop something on the screen for me to read, I can usually get through it. But I felt like they went through that really fast. And it was a lot. It was just like, yeah. it was like, here's three paragraphs from a book. Good luck. And, and you have 10 seconds to read it. Go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought it was too quick. And also it was, there was like three or four of those slides throughout the, the course of the movie. Um, yeah, I, I didn't care for a lot of it. And the biggest scene of tension where the two queens meet, one is supposed to be fictional and not based on any fact whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. But two, uh, they they ruin it in the trailer. Like, the trailer... They, it's nothing like the trailer, though. You're like, right. It's completely I, different than the trailer. I felt like the whole movie was going to be them butting heads and them just going... Mm-hmm against each other the whole movie and that is totally not what it is not at all and i think that also hurts because like so much of it is just the same over like because let's be honest if she takes care of her half brother at the beginning and i guess this is spoilers for mary queen of scots but really don't bother but um because i will say well i Corey and i disagree from time to time and she is entitled to have whatever opinion she wants the consensus has been by many of the critics that i agree with um, that this movie's plot is just bleh, boring, but very pretty movie, lots of pretty stuff and not saying it's not well acted. It's terrifically acted, but that half brother, if she just does the right thing with him from the get go, half of the plot is over. And I understand it's based on truth, but it doesn't make it any less annoying. So wasn't she 18? Isn't that what I think so. it was? She was 18 when that started. I'm just like, I wouldn't have had I don't know. Yeah. I just me I also, at eighteen. I didn't. Anything. I didn't like the cold open that the movie does either, where it starts with like we're not, we don't see the faces of the two women, but we're like seeing them doing things, and like one's about to be, uh, put they're beheaded, and the other one is like sitting on the throne or whatever. I'm just like, why? Why are you is showing it... us this? Like, I hate cold opens most of the time because usually it's just like you don't trust your story enough to hook me that you have to show me this climactic moment at the beginning. So that we'll eventually catch up to it. So, like, I know to look forward to that moment. And I'm, uh, I hate when. It... This is so ridiculous, but I totally forgot about that opening. But I do that a lot with cold openings. Like, when, when you were talking about, like, American animals, like, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't, like, I don't know how to explain it. I, when I get back to it at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I've become very aware of it. Um, it to me, I first became aware of it with uh, Breaking Bad because that's mo- a lot of TV shows do the cold open um, as a way of grabbing you from the beginning um, and keeping you through the commercial breaks and whatnot. And movies started doing it, and I rarely find them to work in film. A- American Animal, I thought worked um, because of the way they're they're telling the story. Mm-hmm. I thought that one worked. Um, they're also like in the cold open to American Animals. They're they're showing you how they're going to be doing this hybrid documentary you know narrative film and 
go listen to the episode, guys. Yeah. Um. So I thought that worked really well, and I in most fic- straight fictional films, I usually am more annoyed by it uh don't breathe had a horrible one i thought it was just a piece <sighs> of garbage f that movie um he, Corey and i are like two of the few critics who do not like that movie um overall uh cory hated it more than i did but um it and then, like the plague right <laughs> yeah uh wild was a reese witherspoon film based on a true story starts with a cold open that i didn't care for it what didn't detract from the film but i didn't think it was necessary it's just a it's just a trope Even that before needs to you be like out talked about those movies i had no there was no i wasn't even intrigued a little bit about wild which Uh. i don't know but even before you started talking about those other movies even just talking about mary queen of scots and american animal i guess i didn't realize how often it happens yeah it's it's a common trend now so listen hollywood you know so i guess i just in any ways i usually forget because that's the kind of person i am well it's all good um on that note, uh, is that all you've watched since uh, we last spoke, or is there anything else you want to add? I've been watching a show with Bill uh, called Toradora. <laughs> it's an anime. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't usually watch anime, but here we are. Well, I've seen a lot, um, a lot of Christmas movies uh, between, like, I've been throwing them on while I'm doing other stuff as well, but um, let's go through. I'm going to do a quick rundown. I saw Welcome to Marwin, the new Robert Zemeckis film starring Steve Carell. <gasps> Uh, super kind of creepy movie. Um, I don't think Zemeckis understood the tone of the story he should have gone with. Um, I mentioned Mary Queen of Scots already. Uh, I watched uh, a Christmas movie that my wife and I love. It's a TV... It was like a TV movie a while back with Jay Moore called The Christmas Do-Over. I've seen... I think I watch that every year. Um, it's just one that my wife and I always go to. And it's... Uh, I never realized the wife is the actress from um, Spaceballs who plays the Princess Leia-esque character. And I never put that together until this viewing, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Miracle on 34th Street, the original from 47, I rewatched uh, again, like an annual thing. I saw um, Adam McKay's new film, Vice, that stars Christian Bale as uh, Vice President Dick Cheney. Well, as I Dick Cheney. See that. Um, I found it very uh, entertaining. I had some issues with some of the, uh, the, not with what was said, but with the way it was presented as fact when there's no way it could be fact. Um, it could be you know, based on, you know, firsthand accounts, but it's still going to be somebody's perspective. And I feel like it's not presented with that in mind. Um, it's very, very biased too, which is fine. Um, but again, I feel like it's presented in a way that's a little too, like, we have this information. Um, nonetheless, entertaining for sure. If you like, uh, the big short, it's definitely not as good as the big short, I don't think, but it's still definitely solid. Um, rewatched A Christmas Story, of course, that is an annual tradition on Christmas Eve. It becomes 24 hours. I did not watch it more than one full time, though, for a change. Although, um, my wife bought me the Red Rider BB gun, uh, replica. Um, <laughs> I saw that. And by c- sheer coincidence, as we were opening our presents in the morning, we have Christmas Story on, and it comes up to the part where he has Ralphie go and get the BB gun. And my wife has placed it in a similar position behind the Christmas tree out of sight. And she's like, get up, get up. You got to get it. And so, like, I'm opening mine as Ralphie's opening his. It could not have been more of a movie moment uh, in my household. Uh, and it was it's really awesome. I actually really want to shoot it, but she didn't buy me BBs because uh, she was afraid Dang I'd shoot it. my eye out. Uh, <laughs> which, according to my Instagram poll, I will. So, um, Happy Christmas is a uh, film that I've seen the cover for but never watched it stars anna kendrick and uh melanie linsky who i am a huge fan of. Um, i love her 
I to be completely honest, it also has Lena Dunham in it though, and I'm not. I can punch her in the face. Yeah, she's kind of obnoxious in this movie too. Um, it's directed by Joe Swanberg, and uh, it's very talky. And I was not giving it a hundred percent of my attention, so I definitely don't feel like I have a opinion on the film yet. But it's very indie, and you can definitely see the low budget um, with some of the choices and the lighting and whatnot. But um, I'm such a fan of Anna Kendrick and Melanie Linsky. I really want to give it another go. Uh, the parts that I did get to pay attention to, especially with the two interacting together, I really did enjoy. Um, we rewatched Almost Christmas, which is the Danny Glover-led film from a couple years ago. We, uh, we actually saw that one in the theater as a family, and so we all rewatched it. I really enjoy it. It's not perfect, but it's a really good, like, melodrama Christmas film um, that hits some... makes me cry at the end. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and then Leave No Trace. Uh, which I watched yesterday. I didn't watch anything today. I still haven't seen Holmes and Watson in theaters just yet, but um, basically I've seen everything else that's been released. Uh, the thing that's been eating my time, Corey, in a in a way that I can't I can't deny the sheer enjoyment I've had is pl- playing Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, I loved the first Red Dead Redemption. That was one of my. It was a like the first story game I'd played in like a good while. Like when Halo hooked me for multiplayer. I kind of went almost exclusively multiplayer for a few years where I was only hopping on to like Call of Duty or whatever and just doing online multiplayer, had no real time for story-based games, and for some reason Red Dead uh, pulled me in. And I was never into Westerns, but Red Dead made me like start to appreciate Westerns more. Like I went and watched a bunch of Westerns after I beat that game. Um, And I've been waiting passively excitedly for Red Dead Redemption 2, and when I got it, I've been kind of very slowly playing it but about a week or two ago i decided i was gonna go full in and just knock it out um and i i just beat it completely uh about two hours ago like finally uh because there's a lot of story in this game um it's easily one of the best stories period um it has some of the best characters i choked up a couple of times i don't think i shed any real tears but there were some very very close moments um it's such an experience and i even after beating the game there's still so much i can still do um it's overwhelming in the best way imaginable like there's so much to do and i don't talk about video games very often but if you are into games at all red dead redemption 2 is a must own must play uh video game it's just absolutely fantastic and insane what rockstar has made because like the weather like there's thunderstorms that rival real life thunderstorms like you're watching lightning on the screen just like oh my god like they've captured the world and put it into a video game it's it's so insane and like there's crazy things happen there's a one moment that i think most players have probably encountered but there's just like random things that happen in the game Corey, mm-hmm. and I'm riding by, and this guy's uh, on, like, holding his horse's back hoof in his hand, and um, he's like, "Stay still, stay still." And I wave to him, like, the option of the game was, "Do you need help?" So I'm like, "Hey, do you need help?" And he looks up, he's like, "Well, actually," and then the horse kicked him in the freaking head, and he died simply because uh. I distracted him for two seconds with, uh. "Can I help you?" And I was like. Oh boy. Um, so yeah, stuff like that happens in this game. That's how crazy detailed it is. Like anybody at any moment can decide to attack you um, or steal your horse. Like it, it's it's crazy. Um, and that's not even the online feature. There's an online version of the game 
that is that detailed, except now there's other real people who decide they want to hurt you. Um, yeah, just insane game. Uh, and I'm trying now, I gotta like, now that I've beat it, I have to pull back a little. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna try to watch Bird Box, the Netflix original film from oh, that came out last week. I I've like heard. That. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, you didn't mention that. I'm so messed up on time. Okay. I, th- I knew that I had told you that I I told you that I saw it and I liked it. And we talked about it at some point, and then you said that somebody else really that Sean. one or two other people really liked it too. Yeah, Big Tuna, uh, Sean is a is a fan. Um, I don't remember. I feel like Matt liked it. Yeah, Matt I think liked it. Was it. Matt. Yeah, Matt liked it. Sean loved it, I think. Um, and mainly I've heard positive things from the critics that I interact with. And uh, it's just I've been putting it off. Um, it, it I think it's like two hours and four minutes or something. But it's just the whole time you're just I was totally just in it. Yeah. And my wife is actually seems to be interested in it, which is rare. Um, and then today released on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard about this. The new Black Mirror. I believe it's a movie. Oh, um, have you heard about it? I saw something from Black Mirror. I like tried to watch one episode, and I was just oh, that's out. that's insane, Corey. It's a really good show. Um, very I know, popular. I usually try to get shows and it's, like three. And it's an anthology. You know, there like each episode yeah. is its own thing. That's like all of that's up your alley. I can't believe that. Um, but anyways, this new one is a choose your own adventure movie. There's gonna be parts in it where you actually interact, where you have to decide which path to go on. Uh, so I don't know if I'm gonna watch it or not, but I am intrigued by the whole premise. I feel like we need to talk about the Goosebumps <laughs> books. I was such a reader when I was young, and I would just, I would finish like a book a day. I just loved them, and they weren't long or hard or what you know, to get through anyways. And I used to love those books, and I would go back to all the choices, and I'd make different choices. I don't know. I don't remember I Goosebumps like having the Choose Your yeah. Adventure. Huh. Interesting. Because um, I I, th- I think Encyclopedia Brown had something like that. It wasn't quite uh. choose your own adventure, but like you would skip ahead to like the next. I don't remember. There was something with like look at the back of the book kind of thing. But um, oh, one that I remember most is Escape from the Carnival of Horror. Mm. Horrors, but yeah, they had a few. Interesting. Um, well, that's what we've been watching, everybody. And I didn't mention, uh, we're talking about a film that I just said I watched, which was Leave No Trace. Um, that's this episode, which if you've been listening to our other ones, you already knew that. Uh, but either way, I should have started with that early, early on, and I apologize. I was a little out of sorts. Um, but Leave No Trace is, uh, the last movie on our Through the Cracks episodes where we're trying to catch up with things we missed throughout the year. The film's directed by Deborah Granick, um, who I believe is also her last film was Winterbone, which is the movie uh, credited with um, giving us Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, maybe not her last movie, but it was her last big movie. I guess she did a film called Stray Dog since then, but uh, that was in 2014. So she hasn't made another movie until Leave No Trace. Um, and Leave No Trace stars uh, Ben Foster, who Corey is a big fan of, right, Corey? I, I mean, I haven't seen enough of his stuff, but I... You know, I watched him in Flash Forward when I was a kid, and I really liked him in Hell or High Water. Oh, yeah, he's great in that. Um, I thought he was a little over the top in Alpha Dogs, but um, not necessarily in a bad way, but he was very big. Um, and then Thomasin McKenzie, who's in some stuff, but I don't think I've seen anything else she's been in. But I thought, um, well, I guess I'll save my thoughts for a minute. They're the two leads. Uh, most of this film is very, very quiet with just those two actors. 
Uh, there's some other familiar faces show up. Uh, Dana McMillican, Milliken, um, Jeff Kober look familiar, although I, looking at his IMDb, I don't think I've actually seen him anything, but he just has that face. Uh, Dale Dickey, though, on the other hand, I've seen in a lot of stuff, including Hell or High Water, um, also with Ben Foster, and um, also in Winterbone and Iron Man 3. Um, I, I shouldn't say Winterbone there, because I have not seen Winterbone. I bought it a while back, and I've not watched it as of yet. Um, but after watching Leave No Trace, I'm definitely more inclined to do so. Uh, the Metacritic score for Leave No Trace is 88, and IMDb user score is 7.2, but this is definitely one of the lesser-seen films from 2018, as it didn't get a huge uh, theatrical run. Um, it did get some, and it did well from everyone who has seen it, from what I've heard, but I know this is a movie a lot of people probably also almost missed, um, which we were very, very close to doing. But we have watched it, so let's get initial reactions before we get into any kind of spoilers. Um, if you've never listened to the show, Corey and I first just give a general idea of what we thought of the film, but then we will give a very thorough spoiler warning and get into the specifics. So, Corey, what did you think of Leave No Trace? I enjoyed it. Um, I was a little, you know, hesitant at the beginning, but... Um, I ended up really enjoying it, and that's all I want to say right now. Oh, wow. That's it, huh? Um, I I loved this movie, actually. I, I was really into it. Um, I found the performances from both Ben Foster and Thomason McKenzie to be uh, exceptional. Um, I really was impressed with Ben Foster because he was such a subtle character, and that's not how I've seen him play in other films. He's usually kind of big, runs his mouth a lot, uh, kind of relies on like a a sarcastic undertone in his voice to like be present in the film. And he doesn't have any of that in this. He's, he's very emotionally um, charged and quiet, introverted um, for a lot of reasons that play onto the plot. Um, And having not seen any of uh, Granick's other work, I thought she had a lot to say with this film and in a very non preachy way. Um, Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting thoughts that are being presented here, and I'm not even sure if she had a specific thing to say as much as wanted to make us think about things and, and reflect on how we um, treat people in general, people with maybe suffering from uh, PTSD and um, our veterans returning from war, and uh, even like people who, who aren't comfortable with being on the grid, so to speak, you know, that's a big part of this film, um, the IMDb synopsis, I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything by mentioning the grid thing, is it says, I mean, the movie starts off with these, uh, Thomason and her father, who's played by Ben Foster, um, living in the woods in Portland, Oregon, um, and, uh, they, they get arrested, yeah, go ahead. I as soon as it opened, I've never been to Oregon. Bill has, and I really want to go. Um, but I knew as soon as it started, like as green and lush and dense as it was, I was like, they're in Oregon, and if they're not in Oregon, they're in Washington, which is where we end up at one point in the film. Um, so yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, I actually, I I wasn't sure um, initially where they were, but. Uh, I figured it was up north, uh, for sure, because of how dense it was. I didn't know exactly where up north, but, um, yeah, it may, it makes a lot of sense, I suppose. Um, I'm not, I've never been to Oregon 
or Washington, but, um, you know, there are other movies that have similar types of settings that have been in those, uh, locations. Um, yeah, I, I really found a lot from this film. I was, I was pulled in early, um, and the performances again were so strong that I was really into the characters. Um, and I, I, I guess we just go to spoilers. So, uh, listeners, um, if you haven't seen Leave No Trace, uh, Corey's got something to warn for you. Just go buy it. Um, <laughs> but we're going to talk about this movie in great detail from here forward. You've been warned. And that should be noted. Uh, it's currently not streaming for free with any subscription service, um, but you can buy it digitally. Or uh, I know Redbox had it. Um, so if you have like a local Redbox that you can go and rent a DVD or Blu-ray from, I, I, Corey and I both seem to have recommended it so far, but we'll get into more specifics as we go. All right, so you didn't have much to say non-spoiler, so what you got to say spoiler? So right when the movie opens up, and I think it's on Voodoo, the synopsis says that they, I think that the verbiage is living off the grid, but we like open and they have all of these things that there's no way that they could have if they're completely living off the grid like the propane and all the supplies and all the tools that they mm. have so it at first i was like where are they going with this because y- you know you have to have money to buy those things unless you're stealing them and we learn early on that even though he doesn't like try to be an active part of like the bigger society he still is raising his daughter with He's trying to raise her with a strong moral code. Yeah. You know, she finds that necklace and then she tries to hide it. And if it's still here, when we get back, can I have it? And he's like, no, 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 out in the open, you know. Yeah, Um, yeah. I like that scene a lot. But then we end up finding out how they get the money and stuff. But he still can't be living off the grid because of the, the medicine that he's getting, the drugs he's getting, and he's selling to the other homeless vets. I mean, I guess it's he's living off the grid in a sense that's more than most people, right? Like, um, they don't have cell phones, so he's not connected there. Um, and he's very adamant about not having phones. So I feel like it's more about not being, it's not, a, it's not like Captain Fantastic where they want to have this rustic lifestyle. It's literally like paranoia about people knowing where you are, people following you, people watching you and controlling you more so than it is about, you know, like, roughing it. it it's not he has no interest in roughing it it's the freedom that comes with it that he's concerned with and there are those things that like you pointed out the, the stuff that they have is necessities for survival it's not it's not like he's keeping it um they're not materialistic at all no it's not materialistic uh or nor is he against materialism that's why he lets her have the necklace he's not against it because it doesn't have any like if there was any kind of indication, like if she wanted a cell phone, he would say no. And he does say no um, multiple times. Because, again, it's, it's not – I never took it as – like I'm going to compare this movie to Captain Fantastic. Yeah. Um, he is not just wanting to be off the grid for the, the control reasons, but general – like he doesn't feel like the way we're living today – is the right way to live and that you, we should know how to hunt. We should know how to live off the land and things like that. And I don't feel like that's ever what Ben Foster's character is trying to do in this movie. Um, his objection to living in a house or living uh, a quote unquote normal life is not related to those like 
in a, a, I'm sorry, hipsters. It's not a hipster mentality. It's not that he thinks the world we're living in is is jaded and, and materialistic or capitalistic. It's simply paranoia, um, which I think is as part of the PTSD. And later, uh, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is when Tom, the girl, um, mm. starts to become longing for the quote-unquote normal life. She wants to live in a house. She wants some sense of, of safety and comfort that isn't in the woods, you know, especially after uh, her dad gets injured and there's the, the arrest was made. Um, when she tells him what's wrong with you isn't wrong with me is, I think, like, it's it's such a powerful phrase. Um, and a, a sh- it shows, like, her growth as a character because she's she's trusted her dad and she clearly loves her dad, but she's realizing like that you are taking your fear your paranoia and putting it on me and i don't have those feelings i'm not afraid of people i i want to be with people and it ultimately leads to the end of the film but i i feel like that really hits home with the whole concept of what's what uh the filmmaker is saying you know it's it's not it's not about it's not a condemnation of the society that we live in like Captain well, Fantastic is. But there is the part where she... I forget her exact verbiage. I think it was around the time that she said, I could have called you if we had a phone, and why can't we live like everyone else? And he's like, we wear their clothes, we live in their houses, we abide by their rules, we're living their life. Mm-hmm. We have so adapted, I've... I think he says. Because I think she oh, uses yes, the word adapted, like sorry. adapted. Yeah, no, not, not a sorry thing. I'm just like, again, I think my attention to detail just shows how pulled in I was to this movie because that's I've only watched it once and I watched it two days ago and yet like that scene is so in my head because I, I that was such an important scene I so I I am jaded and I don't believe that people are good um hmm. I loved all the good people they came in mm. contact with in this movie like that was so refreshing there were so many times that it could have gone bad like when i didn't like when they were pulled apart and they're having to take those tests and oh my god i felt like overwhelmed when we're hearing the test he's having to take that's 435 questions i felt like i was going to cry and like i kind of couldn't breathe and we know where they were going with those questions and he just couldn't get through it but that guy came over and sat with him and read a paper copy and went through it with him um when he's injured and she has to run to the path and ask those two men to come help carry her dad. I was so afraid that was going to go bad, Mm -hmm. bad, bad. And then when they get to the new, like small little campground and Dana, like just takes them in and lets them live there. And everyone's so nice. And all that she says is that they don't want any trouble. And Thomas, Thomas, Tom says that they're not, that's not the trouble that they're having. Mm-hmm. I just really liked that. Well, even... I, I love that she, like... Because she wants to call the, the police... Not the police, the ambulance, which is the right thing to do, right? And when the, the girl begs her not to, that normally in a movie, she they, they would, right? Because now it's like a warning yeah. flare is up. And she doesn't. She calls a VA, someone who's going to... You know, like, there's clearly understanding and compassion, Um and it, it, like you said, it's something that is so refreshing and, and it could be taken negatively. Like, um, he's paranoid about people and yet everyone they are encountering is good. 
almost like he's wrong, but he's not wrong. And I don't think the film's saying that he's wrong, but that there are people who are willing to help and understand and that you can, there is good in the world. Yeah. But even the truck driver who ends up taking them Mm -hmm. and that could have gone badly. And he thanks them for their company. And then that veteran, uh, the med previous medic, Mm -hmm. he lets them like borrow his, dog service animals yeah yes which i just thought that everything that was put into this movie was so thoughtful and i don't want to say well planned but i just like giving us all of those things without like acting like we're dumb yeah yeah no completely and um just even the the little scenes like the old man playing guitar around the campfire just it's such a great scene and it's it's it just shows that community, and, and then we haven't got up to this, but the uh, the anal- the clear analogy. Like I'm not I'm not feeling like I'm a genius for picking up on this, but I just want to give credit to the filmmaker, the the beehive, the idea that it's a community, and like, sure they could sting you, but they they don't want to, you know, and how that parallels to people. Like yes, people can sting you, and most don't want to. Most just want to do their thing. They just want to get to what they're trying to Where do. Where they're going. And sure, every once in a while there is going to be someone who gets stung, but ultimately it's not it's not the goal of the society or the commune or the community to do those things. And um, the idea of trust and, and then how she... I thought she was going to get stung because, again, I'm trained by so many movies to expect the conflict. Like you brought up the truck driver, the kid with the rabbit. You know, those are all moments where I'm, I'm holding my breath. Yeah. Waiting for the... the shit to hit the fan and it doesn't and that's one of the reasons i think this film works so well is that you're you've been trained by movies to always fear the strange people to fear those things and so has tom's been trained by her father to fear everybody and yet we we, she her eyes are open that not everybody is bad not everybody wants to hurt you not everyone is evil and that's what I think when she says what's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. Like, she hasn't lost her ability to trust. And she doesn't blame him for his feelings. She, under, I think, even understands why he feels the way he feels. But she can't live like that anymore. And it, it's powerful, um, moving at times, uh, and just tremendous performances between those two. And, I, again, it's so quiet. Yeah, I loved Tom. Like... Ben Foster was great, but holy hell at Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... Because she's so quiet, and she seems like she might be feeble, but she's not. No. Yeah, agreed. She's much tougher than you would uh, take by her look. Because she has kind of like a deer in headlights look throughout the movie. Like, very... Um, not naive, but innocent. Like, everything is new. Like, she's unfamiliar and we don't really have a sense of how long they've been living in the woods you know just that it's clearly been a while like it's not a new thing when we join them so when men lose their like women they retreat to the woods (laughs) is what you know these movies are telling me well and that's that's the difference um from captain fantastic and i am gonna spoil captain fantastic so if you skip that movie uh maybe jump ahead like 30 seconds or so but in that movie, he conforms to society's expectations. Um, and that bothered me on my initial viewing. Um, 
because I didn't think his way of living was wrong per se. Um, he was, his kids were taken care of. And until the girl fell off the roof, which was such a over the top scene anyways, there was nothing really wrong with his family. They were all very successful. And I think that's the same thing here. Um, it's noted by the, uh, I guess the social worker that Tom's above where she should be academically. Um, so it's not like he's been neglecting her education. No. And the other, um, social worker that ends up helping him with the paper test asks, are you proud of your daughter? And he like kind of chokes up and says yes. And he's like, you should be very proud. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She's you know? kind. She's caring. Even, and she's not, a, you would think her to be more afraid of people. Like when she comes across the rabbit, she walks up to the kid and she's very like social. She's not introverted at all. Like I would, I would be like almost speechless. Like, Hey, I found your rabbit. Like, and I would be wanting to get out of there. And she's more like inquisitive and inquiring about him. She's so much more curious than I would have expected a person who's been kind of kept away from others. Um, and she goes to his 4-H meeting and yeah. meets him there. And walks right in. Like, a room full of people she doesn't know walks right to him. I'm just like, wow, how... I mean, it's such a silly thing for me to feel like she's so brave for being able to do that. Because I get I anxiety about... Yeah. yeah. Like, just going to a place where I know I'm not going to know a lot of people, I get, re- like, wrecked by anxiety. So, I can't imagine living your life in basic isolation and then just like willingly and so i i'm looking at her like wow you're my hero kid (laughs) um and i want to bring up the seahorses because there's a it's a motif throughout the film that the seahorse keeps being brought up the necklace was a seahorse she was reading in the book about seahorses um when they they're peeling oranges at one point like they're competing who can peel the orange peel that like completely uh she holds it up says it looks like a seahorse like so it's a constant theme and um i'm i'm unsure what exactly it means to the film but it's it's important so like i've been what i know about seahorses is they mate for life um because that the male is the the birth giver um and i just googled it but go uh, ahead oh what what did you find well, with Google Foo, um, it says symbolic meaning of seahorses carry the following significance, patience, friendliness, protection, inflexibility, perspective, generosity, sharing, high perception, persistence, and contentment. A relatively hmm. calm and mild-mannered creature. Which, that explains Thomason almost completely, right? She's very calm, very mild-mannered. Um... Like, she doesn't even... He's sitting on the bed at one point when they get to the house uh her dad is and she comes in to bring him his favorite sweater and he asks her to sit down and he says something that's really bothering me is it said that somebody saw you in the park why didn't you tell me and she said because i really liked our camp and i didn't think they saw me and so i think even then she was like trying to look for that little bit of permanence yeah 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 you're right she was looking for stability um and even even her answer there though she's so honest you know, most people in that scenario, when you're being questioned and you know you like, there's clearly like a little bit of anger coming from him there. No, it's it's contained, but it's there. You know, like you're the reason that we got put in the situation, and she doesn't back away from it. She doesn't try to lie. She's very like, yes, that did happen. This is why I did that thing, and that's it. You know, um, I man, I just 
the people feel so real and the world so lived in in this movie i was just i i really really loved it um i wasn't sure if i w- would get hooked into it or not um i i am not one to live off the grid i would say i am probably too on the grid uh having obviously this podcast for example <laughs> um but uh and like i like captain fantastic a lot while i could never live the way they lived in that film, nor could I live the way they live in uh, Leave No Trace, I found Tom to be a lot more uh, relatable for me because she wanted a normal life, or at least, again, I'm using the quote-unquote normal because it's unfair to say what, what constitutes normal. I guess by today's standards, the way we live is probably closer to normal um, just because more people do it, but again, does that mean it's normal? Probably not. Um, but I, I was really into this film um, from beginning to end. Uh, I was captivated, cared about the characters, and um, like you said, I, I I left feeling a little a little tinge of sadness, but ov- overall like optimistic hopefulness, which is a, something that in today's world, anytime a movie makes me feel hopeful, um, especially when it it seems like it could easily go the other direction. Um, like hearts beat loud for me this year too. Like that movie made me feel so good and so joyous. Um, and the best documentary that I've seen this year, I think, um, won't you be my neighbor? The the amount of optimism and that what breaks my heart at the end of won't you be my neighbor is that the the thing or the person who brought so much optimism, the realization that they're gone, um, is devastating to me and so like a movie like this that could have easily have been like look how screwed up the world is and look how bad people are um and there are there it does hint at you know the way we treat our veterans and um the way we treat you know people who coming back from war uh, it's it's not right um but at the same time it's not this like treat it's not this you know big soapbox standing movie where she's like uh, oh, the government's evil because they don't treat our soldiers right. It's more like we need to be empathetic. We need to be more aware. We need to be willing to to work with making them feel comfortable and welcome back into society, and not you know this expectation that you just come back and you're you're no- you do what we say is normal because we say so. You know, like it's not that way. They've seen things that are no longer going to feel normal. You know. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else you want to mention before we, uh, give our ratings? No. Um, I guess real quick to address the end, uh, she, she says goodbye to dad that, you know, you go live in the woods, I'm going to stay and live in a normal, quote unquote, normal world. And I guess we're left to assume, go ahead. Oh, she hung up. Those were her supplies that she hung up at the end for the guy that lives in the woods, right? I don't know if it was just for the guy that lives in the woods or if it was for the guy that lives in the woods and her dad. Um, I think the implication there is that the woman uh, that I think Dana was her name has taken her in, has let Tom stay with her. And because she like there's that connection, like she has a friend who's been living in the woods she hasn't seen but knows that he's still out there because the, the food's always gone. Um, I, I think... loved that scene too. Mm-hmm. Like this whole movie, guys, the whole movie. It's super powerful, and again, it 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 showcases 
um, the best of humanity, that we can be good, we can be helpful, we can be caring and kind, and, um, you know, that we should be, well, I'm going to quote my school, we have a, a saying, uh, you are your brother's keeper, and I feel like this movie embodies that concept in every step, because every chance um, that people could do the wrong thing or hurt them we're given the opposite. They're they're helpful. They're kind. I mean, you mentioned the truck driver. In any other movie, that truck driver tries to rape her or kill the dad or, you know, something, right? Or mug them or something. And instead, when they leave, he sounds genuinely sad that they're separating. You know, like, I'm going to really miss you guys. Like, it's like this, they've formed a bond and he's a good man. Even he hesitates to help them, not because he doesn't want to help them, He's afraid that she's like a, a victim being kidnapped and he doesn't want to be involved um, with, you know, the uh, aiding and abetting of a kidnapper. So he's making sure that they really are father and daughter. And that's even that dynamic of father daughter. There was a concern I had early was like, is he really her dad? But that's not that's not this movie. Yes, it's her dad. There's no like there's no plot afoot. There's no like backstory of like Charles Manson, you know, nothing. It's just boom. And even they're, like, living off the grid, but he has thought ahead and keeps all their important papers with them mm -hmm. and hidden, like, just in case. I don't know. I just... Well, yeah, he's he's not... He knows what he's doing isn't allowed, but he doesn't feel comfortable otherwise. And, I mean, it's hard to, like, to be upset with him for that. And... Even more, like, you see how sad he is when he has to leave her at the end. Like, that moment where they embrace, he's genuinely devastated, but he can't do anything else. He needs to leave. He has to be mobile. Um, he has to be free, and she doesn't want that. And, like, there's just this understanding that we love each other, but we can't be together in that way. Like, we can't live like this because we're at we're at two different ends of of the the equation here and it, it won't balance yeah all right well uh leave no trace is the film we watched for the last film of 2018 uh our last theme for this year was um through the cracks uh which is something i think we're going to do every year now uh, at the end of the year but um Let's give our rating for Leave No Trace. Corey, what would you uh, give this? Hands down, must-see film. 100% agree. I, I absolutely love this film. It's easily one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm glad I didn't let it slip through the cracks. Um, what we're going to do differently, uh, usually we tell you what we're watching next week, and we are going to tell you that, but we're before we get to next week, and in fact the month of January, we're going to run down the themes for the entire year ahead of time we're not going to tell you all the movies yet but we are going to tell you all four movies for january um so our themes for 2019 uh the month of january is going to be out of this world that's movies about space or aliens or things coming to earth but not originally from here uh february is 90 minutes or less uh, we're picking the sh uh because it's the shortest month of the year we're going to be watching films that are under 90 minutes that we've not seen previously um march we're doing best actor goes to and April Best Actress goes to, so we're going to be focusing on movies of an actor or an actress. Um, we haven't decided yet if we're going to do a single actor for that whole month, or if Corey and I are just going to look at big-name actors who maybe we've never seen one of their movies and try to do something like that. Uh, May, we're doing Mint in Box, which is movies that Corey and I own, 
but we've never watched, which is way more than what we'll watch that month. But <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're notoriously bad at buying movies and then not watching them. Um, June, we're doing River Runs Through Us, which is movies currently streaming on Prime, Netflix, or Hulu. Uh, July, we're doing Howdy Partner, which is westerns, um, a genre that I neglected for a long time. So I'm excited to get more into that. Um, August, uh, original. In August, we're going to be watching um, an original film that's been remade. Uh, ideally, something that we've seen, uh, the remake, but not the original. Uh, but not necessarily that, but that's kind of the goal. And then September, we're doing remake. So we've seen the original, but not the remake. Um, or, again, maybe we haven't seen the original either, but we'll watch the remake. Um, October, we, we usually do something horror-themed in October. This year, we're going to do horror anthologies. Uh, that's Corey's favorite type of horror movie. Um <laughs> Right now, it looks like November, we're going to be doing Cohen's films, so the, the Cohen films that we've not seen. And then next December, just like this December, we're going to be doing Through the Cracks um, as we look to you know make sure we don't miss the big movies from 2019 before the year ends. Let's go back to January then. So Out of This World is our next theme and where we're going to be starting the year. Uh, Corey, what are we watching first? Uh, well, you, I've already... <laughs> <laughs> the Man Who Fell to Earth... Yes, uh, a film Corey accidentally watched for this episode, um, Dang it. <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, I have not seen it. She had not seen it previously. Um, the Man Who Fell to Earth, as far as I know, is not streaming on anything uh, subscription-based, but you can get it digitally. Um, the following week, I've selected Solaris, a film I've owned for a while and have not watched. Um, that stars George Clooney, and uh, I don't have all the information in front of me. Um, the following week after Solaris, Corey, do you remember what you picked? Starman. Starman, a um, John Carpenter film, and Jeff Bridges starred vehicle, something we both have not seen. And then um, I, for the last uh, episode of January and Out of This World, we're watching Sunshine, a Danny Boyle film that I've never watched uh, that stars um, Cillian Murphy, uh, Chris Evans, and a few other people whose names I'm not going to remember right now. But um, I'm excited for uh, both of those that I picked and the two that you picked, because I haven't seen any of the movies we're watching this month. I feel like that doesn't i've only seen one i feel like that doesn't happen very often yeah a lot of times we're just back and forth um but this month it's primarily things we neither of us have watched and so uh we would love for you to watch those movies as well that's why we're giving you the whole list right up front um if you have any thoughts you can uh give us them two ways the best way is to use the anchor.fm app and call into the show and you can leave a voicemail um, that we can actually put into the episode of your thoughts on the film for that week. Um, you can also hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And if you've enjoyed Movie Club, whether this is your first episode or back episodes, if you would rate and review us on whatever uh, platform you're using to get the podcast, it helps other listeners find us. And that's what we're looking to do is we want to grow in 2019. So if you like the podcast, if you like what we do, give us some feedback, uh, tell people about us, share it on your social media, let people know about Burke Reviews Movie Club, um, and until next time, we will be back next year. Um, and until then, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts Covering the entire movie verse, there's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.
This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.